Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Last week, we talked about spiritual pride. Uh, Today's message is going to be challenging as well. But as I mentioned last week, uh, the the antidote uh, for falling prey to some of the topics that we're going to be discussing is genuine humility. Not humility that we as humans can muster, but the humility that we see in the life of Jesus Christ. We only have a few copies of this book left, as most of them sold uh, last weekend. But if you're one who is hungering to reflect Jesus in your life, um, I assure you that as the Spirit of God develops greater dimensions of humility in our lives, uh, we actually will reflect the Savior a little bit more. So I encourage you to get a copy of that book. Did anybody wear your What Would Jesus... Do, nobody wore your bracelet. I can't believe it. You guys remember the bracelet. What would Jesus do? You're looking at me like you're way older than me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we're having a little spin on that by talking about what would Jesus undo. I want to start by introducing uh, a rather, well, it's honest, but it's a little bit of an embarrassing story about something that Jesus definitely wants to undo in my life. When Pam and I first came to know Christ, I was 23 and she was 21, and we were totally jacked up. Our lives were terrible. And then we met Jesus, and everything was so amazing. We were full of zeal and hope and love and knew that through us, God was going to change the world. You guys remember some of those early conversion times? It's like, we were so excited. So we thought it'd be very powerful testimony to buy a bumper sticker to put on our rear window. And it said, I heart Jesus. It seemed reasonable to me. The only problem is with this guy, I I lack, I used to lack patience. Um, Actually, I still lack patience. (laughs) And so oftentimes when we'd be driving somewhere, I forgot that I was a follower of Jesus, but the car that we drove made it clear that I actually was. And so, uh, here's an example of my hypocrisy. Praise the Lord, I got Jesus on my window, life is good. Somebody drives really stupidly, which people do sometimes. And, uh, I mean, other people do, I don't. So, so that's what's going down, and I'm hitting the horn, kind of, sort of, maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, but, when they... Uh, When I do something wrong, I would do the universal uh, sign of deference, of apology, and it goes something like this. You you put a pleasant but kind of grimacing smile on your face. You bow your head, and you lift up your hand, saying, my bad. Uh, And you would hope people would be gracious towards you. I, on the other hand, when somebody cut me off, I I wasn't that way. I would do... I would do... um, other international symbols. So it, the point is that my wife, for 
40 plus years has tolerated my uh, hypocrisy behind the wheel of a car. I am, I am growing. I'm, I'm getting better. Um, somebody proposed at a recent council meeting, uh, which this is really just tongue in cheek, that we get uh, West Side Face Center bumper stickers. And I said, no, we're not getting any of those because of my own sinfulness. So the, um, there are things in the life of followers present day, and we also see throughout Scripture that Jesus really wants to undo. And the one I want to talk about today is probably pretty obvious. It's hypocrisy. Those who may claim one thing but live a completely different way. Uh, I'm sure there's no hypocrites here, but hopefully on the uh, podcast, any of the hypocrites might listen to it and learn something from it. But one thing I've learned about hypocrisy is so easy to see it in other people, isn't it? Duh, it's so obvious. It's really hard to see it where? In ourselves. But every time I look in the mirror, which is as infrequently as possible, I realize that I struggle with this at times. How many of you honestly would say, I know a hypocrite? <laughs> uh, don't point. Don't point. I'm, I'm just kidding. Number one complaint from non-followers of Jesus about Christians is they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Now, my kind of snide response to that would be, um, okay, so you don't go to church because we're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you know what? We are, and there's plenty of chairs, so why don't you join us? There's room for one more. <laughs> but the reality is the hypocrisy that can manifest in our individual lives or in the life of the church can wound people and discourage people. And I don't want to be dismissive of the very real pain that some here, or maybe those who are outside of earshot from me might feel. You know, someone that you looked up to spiritually hurt you. They lied to you. They played the spiritual abuse power game with you. In order to bolster their own position, they did what they could to make you feel that big in the kingdom of God, family member or whatever. And some, unfortunately, have walked away from church, and some have actually um, walked away from their faith because of, let me be honest, the hypocrisy maybe that I've demonstrated at times or the church universal. I don't know if you're familiar with this particular author. Um, I, I, love his, I love his work. He's an author, theologian. He's since passed away. His name's uh, Brennan Manning, but he says this about hypocrisy. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. It almost hurts to hear that, doesn't it? It hurts to read it. Some of the greatest authors that I read, find a way to put truth in words 
that make them more real. And I don't want to be that guy that might cause people to step away from the, the expression of Jesus in a community of followers or whatever. I don't want to be that guy. Now, I do want to talk about what uh, hypocrisy is to clarify some things for us. But first, I want to talk about what his hypocrisy um, is not. And if you're taking notes, that's great. If you're not a note taker, okay, take a picture. It might be up here. I don't know. Hypocrisy is not the disparity between what we do and what we wish we did. Like what I'm doing versus what I long to be doing, what I wish I did. So something like this. Um, I, I have bad thoughts now and I want to someday not have bad thoughts. Or I, I don't want to be a liar, but I lie now, so someday I won't be a liar. That's not our definition of hypocrisy. That would be uh, perhaps sinfulness, depending upon the context and the expression in our lives. And sinfulness needs to be confessed, and we need to be cleansed, and we need to grow. But the definition of hypocrisy that we'll use today is the gap between, and I think the text that we read is going to bear this out to be true, but the gap between what we show, what we project, and who we really are. It's the gap between what we show the world around us and who we actually are. The difference between our public persona, which is very important to many of us, and the world around us. So the difference between that and our personal and private character. What would Jesus undo? Well, hypocrisy. But we're going to see in this text that Jesus would certainly undo the show. The show. Jesus wants authentic, passionate followers who are real and genuine. Will own their own flawedness, as it were. He's not interested in a facade. In fact, that's who he gets mad at the most in his travelings when he was on earth. You'll see it here in a little bit. So Jesus rails against uh, hypocrisy, and he uses a cool Greek word, and I'm not even going to pronounce it or attempt to do so in front of our Greek scholar. <laughs> Maybe he should just yell it out. I don't know. But this is what it means. How do you say it? Hippocrit Hippocrates? Hippocrates? Close enough? Throw me under the bus. It's okay, bud. Anyhow, the point is, is it, uh, we have any thespians in the house? You know what a thespian is? Don't get confused. A thespian. It's someone who's like an actor. So anyhow, Jesus would get mad at people that acted, that were showmen or showwomen. He didn't like that at all. Do you know what these are? I know they're creepy. I know that, so don't say, oh, those are creepy. This is what? Sad, angry. Angry, sad, tragedy in the drama world. This is comedy. I was really hoping to find some that would go over my whole head, but they were way too expensive. So we got many, many ones. So this is tragedy, Tom. This is, did you laugh at me? Yes. 
This is comedy, Tom. So you can preach with a mask on, or better yet, how about the Christ follower who is um, the happy hypocrite. This is what our conversation sounds like. The happy, it's still creepy. Both are creepy. The happy hypocrite. It's like, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah, we're putting on the show. God is in the house. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. And I'm all for authentic, happy Christianity. But the hypocrite might shift to this. Or you might learn that the happy hypocrite on the way to church got mad at his wife and screamed at her because the kids were misbehaving in the back seat. Anybody ever experienced the, I'm going to church to worship God, and yes, I appreciate your honesty. There's one other sinner in the house. That's fantastic. (laughs) Or you got the angry hypocrite, you know, like... You ought not to be doing that. That's not what people of the Lord do. What is the matter with you? Stop it. Grow up. Move on. They're really gifted gifted at criticism. They're very gifted at that. But their mean-spiritedness covers the reality that when the mask is dropped, they're struggling with the same addictions, difficulties, misbehavior that the ones who they are criticizing and condemning might be experiencing. Jesus hated hypocrisy. It was the show. It's like, look at what I got going on on the outside, but don't you dare look beyond the mask or the surface. Paul addresses this pretty point blank when he sends his letter to Timothy to encourage this young leader. He says this in Titus 1 verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. Jesus did not like mask wearers. He didn't like it at all. Hey, would you all pay attention while I take my tithe check from where I am and watch me Put this weighty document in the offering box. That's hypocrisy. That's a show. Or maybe some among the body of Christ here or the church universal that would want to make sure that you understood which days of the week they were fasting and that you would be very impressed with that. Praying to be heard. We talked last week about the Pharisee. And then the tax collector. And who was it that Jesus was most tickled about? It was the busted guy that just says, I don't have it. Whatever it is, I need you to make up the difference. And that's who Jesus was drawn to. Jesus delivered some pretty harsh rebuke to the hypocrites. In fact, Matthew 23, it has, there's these seven woes in there for the religious elite of the day. We're not going to go through all of them. We're just going to read one or two and, and, and move on. But anyhow, Matthew 23, verse 27, beginning there, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs 
which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. How would you like to have Jesus speak to you that way? No. But if I'm honest with myself, there's sometimes when I feel on the inside that I'm a whitewashed tomb. You know, I'm trying to make everything look perfect out here, but inside I'm consumed with things that are displeasing to the Lord. Verse 28, in the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of, full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And then his compliments get even stronger. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? So, I, I'm to, this is a very real thing in the body of Christ. Like I say, probably not at Westside, but in the body of Christ universal. Many of us are more caught up and it's more important that other people around us recognize how holy or spiritual or close to God we might be instead of just basking in the presence of the Lord, kneeling at his feet, being filled by his power, his love, and his grace, and having that be enough. Because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for all of us. It's interesting to me that we don't hear Jesus say stuff like, woe to you who drop a cuss word now and then. Woe to you who engage in questionable entertainment. He said, woe to you hypocrites who put on a show and deny what's really taking place in your own life. Now, I know I'm like almost 100 years old. I get that. I am not a fan of different aspects of what I think social media has done to our culture. I'm not saying that it's all evil. I'm not saying that. Don't send me hate mail. <laughs> Don't. Uh, I'd give you my email address, but I'm afraid you guys would take advantage of it. <laughs> but I do think that it is a ground, an area to... Uh, enhance our hypocrisy. I have seen countless photo shoots of spouses taking pictures of their environment or some kind of context where they're together, projecting the image that all is well, all is whole, all is complete, when I know, though I would never post it on their media account, I know the pain that their marriage is going through. The one that cracks me up the most is the devotional time snap thing it's perfect it's like it's kind of filtered the background's a little fuzzy you can make out the lettering oh it's a bible you got a coffee mug which is even more clear towards the fore of the photo and it says jesus is lord and i think about i assume wrongfully so i'm certain that they spent more time choreographing the picture than they spent in prayer or reading God's holy word. Now, if you like to post devotional pictures, that's fine. The point I'm trying to make is, is it genuinely reflective of who you or we 
really are. Is it? Or is it to cast out an image before people that simply makes it look, God, it got really quiet in here. I am so sorry. <clears throat> I do have good news for you, and it's going to continue to get better. It can only go up at this point, I know. There is hope for the hypocrite. Say that with me. There's hope for the hypocrite. There really, truly is. Okay, continuing on in this particular chapter, we're going to jump back to verse 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisees, snakes, tombs. He's just full of compliments to, to the showman. Jesus doesn't like showmanship. He really doesn't. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. I'll use, I'm going to use the vernacular that we might be comfortable with. I, I believe that the Lord is saying, first allow the Spirit of God, today he is saying to us, allow the Spirit of God to do an internal cleansing within each of our own hearts so that the same Spirit of God can do a transforming Work that we might be more genuine and more authentic and a little bit less about the show. Here's a, here's a sad commentary. This probably isn't uh, Joshua's experience, but when I was at Bible college with the denomination uh, where, where I attended, there was this, it wasn't a class. It was kind of this like aura thing. But there was this thing that was taught uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't pastoral mystique 101, but there was this thing that was taught where you had to learn how to dress and project and distance yourself and be a little bit, though never noticeable, a little bit superior. You couldn't let people get close because if people got close and recognized that you actually had flaws, they would lose respect in you. This was actually part of the culture where I went to Bible college. Now, I'm not saying Bible college is bad. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is to perpetuate that kind of facade is not healthy. But I could play it with the best of them for a while until I realized that I'd much rather be real and free than to be fake and in prison. And there was this joyful thing. It's like... It's okay if I have error here and there. It's okay if I doubt. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because if the blood of Jesus can't cover that in my life, the blood of Jesus can't save anybody. Amen. Amen. So, pastoral mystique. If you see any of us older fellows hobbling around under the weight of carrying the pastoral mystique, just go up to him and say, be real. It's okay. We love you anyhow. You're fine. And years ago, I just determined I'd really rather be an honest, sinful misfit than a deceitful hypocrite. I just would. So if we haven't come across quite yet, let me be clear about something. Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unlimited grace and uh, acceptance for the hypocrite who acknowledges that and says, forgive me. 
It's unlimited. Oh, you don't know how terrible a hypocrite I've been. Look, take a number, you'd be way back behind me. I'm like the most hideous hypocrite. And if God can get through to somebody like me, I assure you that God can get through to even someone like you. And his grace is sufficient, and he'll glorify himself in you and through you. So anytime we come before him and say, whether it's this fake mask or this fake mask, when we drop those before him and we say, I don't have it figured out. I want to be real. I want to be who you've created me to be, not someone uh, someone else's version or vision of what I should be. When we drop the mass, there are two things that happen. Number one, the grace of Jesus Christ is poured over us immediately. And in a community like this, there's compassion, there's care, there's love, there's acceptance. And if there isn't from someone, that's their problem because they're the hypocrite. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's love. There's grace. All we got to do is say, I am done with the mask. And, and you know, when you think about this, we, we really have nothing to fear when we have nothing to hide. When, when I tell you that I am a dirty, rotten sinner before I knew Jesus... And I'm still one now, but a lot less grimy than I used to be. I don't have to hide anything. And I don't have to be fearful of anything. We certainly ought not to have anything to fear in a community of grace. This is uh, what's written in Proverbs 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Let me translate it differently. Whoever wears a mask to cover their sinfulness, does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Today might be the day for some of you, for some of us today, to make a confession to God or make a confession both to God and to a friend. Because if you share it with a friend and they're genuinely a friend, they'll rejoice with you, they'll love you, they'll pray with you, they'll encourage you. They will not speak a word of condemnation over you. How many in here would agree with me that nobody in the house is a perfect person? Yeah. Why is it then that we are so hungry to find that place and project that? Is it safety? I don't know for sure. What it is. I mean, we're all sinners. We all mess up. We all have battles. We're all afraid. We're all inconsistent. But when we come together on this journey called Westside Faith Center, this community of grace, this is the place where we can drop the mask and find mercy and find forgiveness and find lasting friendships and relationship. I don't know what else could be better than that. Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy. Yet he has unlimited grace for the sinner. And if we haven't established this already, everyone in the house is a sinner, right? So he has unlimited grace for us. David prays this in Psalm 139. And this is my challenge to you. I challenge you. 
not necessarily with me now. I'm going to read it aloud. But over the course of this week ahead of us, I'm going to challenge you to try and make time to read this every day and, and pray it. Because it shifts the attention from performance to the Savior. It shifts our attention from religious conduct to um, inviting the master and the king to look within us. This is what David writes. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. Know me at the most intimate places of my soul. And you reveal to me if there's any wickedness there, if there's any error there. You help me get rid of the mask. Another thing that I've learned because I tried to play the pastoral uh, mystique thing is that if we, if we uh, master the ability to project something inauthentic and we do it long enough, guess who starts to believe it? It's not the people that we're trying to impress. It's not. We start to believe it. And we get further and further and further away from an authentic, ever-dependent relationship with the Savior of the world. What is hypocrisy? It's the gap between what we show and who we really are. What do we, what do, we do with the gap? See, oftentimes, I know when, when the Lord would reveal to me through someone else's teaching or Bible reading or whatever, or prayer, it's always like, okay, what can I do to close the gap? What can I do? Oh, be a better husband. Spend more time in the word of God. Study better. Pray longer. Speak in tongues more often. Whatever we might want to say. We cannot close the gap in and of ourselves. There is but one who can close the gap. Because our perfection or our religious performance will always fall short. We close the gap with a more intimate relationship with Jesus, which is why I'm going to plug this book again. There's only a few copies left. Be sure you guys get it. Um, it's pretty powerful. Would you agree with me that Jesus is our righteousness? Would you agree that Jesus is our capital S source? Jesus is our source. Absolutely. Would you agree with me that Jesus is our redemption? That he is our healer? That he is our redeemer? The spirit of God is moving. Wow. That's... My son's way faster now at 33 than he was at 18. That was awesome, son. I don't even know what went down. I just saw a blur of gray, and I appreciate that so very much. <laughs> so in other words, stop trying to be good enough. He's good enough. Let's trust in him. Amen. What would Jesus undo? Hypocrisy. 
breakthrough moments await us. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to return and the musicians, and we'll have some people who are going to be in, in prayer or available for prayer over here. Um, and as we prepare to kind of wrap things up with, with a song, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, please, to bow your heads. While you're doing that, I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is already speaking to some of your hearts. This is a specific question. Is, is anyone in the house who would say, I'm, I'm wearing the mask too often or been wearing the mask too long? Or maybe you're saying, I, I, I want to be more real. I don't want to be bound up in showmanship. I want to be an authentic, passionate, dependent follower of Jesus. If, is there anyone in here that would say, that's me. I want to be, God bless you. Hold your hands up just a little bit longer. I just want to look from right to left and front to back. The Lord bless you. Thank you so much for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Is there anyone in the house that for some reason you're gripped with shame? Shame is not a work of the Holy Spirit. Shame comes from the pit of hell. So anyone who is experiencing a sense of shame, others would raise your hands with them. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Young man, the Lord bless you. you he is not ashamed of you. No matter what you've done or how poorly you may think of yourself, you can put your hands down. <clears throat> Just before we sing, uh, we're going to pray together. I do want to encourage you, though, as, as Dan and the, and the team lead us in song, do know that there are a couple of folks over at the prayer banner, um, if you would like prayer. Actually, my wife, Pam, and I will be up here towards the front. You can certainly come up. We'd be happy to pray with you. But uh, let's now shift from introspection to expressing worship to our King. Lord God, thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your goodness. Thank you for truth. Thank you, Lord, that you wrap truth uh, in the fullness of your grace. Otherwise, we couldn't handle it. We love and worship you and you alone. Be glorified as we conclude our time in song and in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.